Hi there, and welcome to the e-commerce marketing 101 podcast brought to you by Dash, the visual content management tool for DC businesses. In this podcast, we'll be chatting with marketers and creatives just like you. We'll cover the campaigns and design methods they've used to grow their DC brand so you can grow yours. I'm your host, Barney. Let's kick off today's episode. Hello and welcome. Joining us today is Amy Caswell, the head of social media and creators at paint brand Lick. From Instagram to TikTok, Lick have been lighting up social with their thumbs up in content and vibrant online community. And that's down in a large part to the role that Amy's been playing. She's a passionate storyteller who's worked across social media, content creation and influencer campaigns. She has over 10 years of experience in content strategy and creation for brands like New Look, Tony and Guy, and now Lick. Amy, it's so great to meet you. Thank you for joining us. I'm a massive Lick fan, as you can see for video viewers here. It's a uh, Lick sample I'm considering painting the stairwell behind me. So I'm particularly excited to have you on as a guest. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's so great to speak to you. And thanks for inviting me on. It's always a bit of an honour when people contact say, oh, we love what you do. Can you come and chat to us about it? So thanks for having me. I love seeing the Lick samples on the wall as well. It's always great to see. As you can see, I've got some on my wall as well. Always. They kind of make their way gradually around my house. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What's the current favourite? It isn't one of the ones behind me, actually. I love Beijo 3. That will always be one of my favourites. It's so versatile. I'm a lover of neutrals as well. So I love Beijo 3 and also Grejo 3. Maybe I've just got a thing for like the O3s. I don't know. But um, yeah, <laughs> Grejo 3 is a newer colour. And that's also one of my favourites at the moment as well. It's very autumnal and cosy. And they can just go with everything as well, right? So Amy, in a nutshell, can you describe what you do at Lick? Yeah, definitely. So at Lick, I oversee all of social media, organic social and our creator marketing. As the name would suggest, we look after everything organic social across all of our channels and our platforms. So that's things from the strategy to the day-to-day content plan to reaching out to creators and managing our creator relationships. So everything that sits under our organic social activity, which there is a lot of, we're on multiple channels. We also have our Lick Pro brand for our professional decorators. So we have different channels for that as well. So yes, there's a lot going on, but it's all really exciting and it's a great space to be in. Wow, that does sound like an awful lot to be getting on with for a team of two people. How can you prioritise and what are some of the things that you're doing to keep on top of all of that? So I think generally we have really clear business goals in terms of priorities. Like We're a very close brand team as a whole. So we're all really clear on what the priorities are for the business at any one time, what goals we want to reach on a quarterly, on a monthly basis. So that really helps prioritise our workload. And I think that's really important to feel like part of a bigger team, that you're all reaching for one goal and that kind of different functions, departments and, and people aren't off kind of doing random things. And that's on a kind of brand business and also on an individual team level. Communication is key with any of this, regardless of whether you're a small team or a big team. So I think we really do that well. We're all kind of aiming for the same North Star, as it were. Yeah, that must be one of the nice things about working at a small but growing company. Like we're kind of similar in Dash, like everyone is doing slightly different functions, but we all know how we're contributing to this single focus. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's really important, that direction. And like you say, working towards a a single focus, a single goal or multiples of those, but everybody is aligned on exactly what needs to be achieved by when any other ad hoc stuff that's going to come up as well. And if that can be communicated clearly, I think that really works well. Nice. 
Okay, so you joined Lip in 2021, so two and a bit years ago, I think. Yeah. So how has Lip changed since you did join back in 2021? So I'd say the business itself has changed massively in terms of high growth. We've got more product lines. We've got higher brand awareness. We've done amazing partnerships from like B&Q online to Heinz. We've become B Corp. And even the team structures have changed as well, as you can imagine, from being like a startup to being a slightly bigger business. And I think you'd expect that with any fast growing, successful business, to be honest. But what I would say is I think the values around why we're all there and the excitement in the teams has stayed the same. There's obviously a lot more to think about, as we just said now, even from a social and creator perspective. And there's a lot more moving pieces as well. But I'd say it's all been for the better. It's all really exciting. And I think the fact we've managed to keep those values, our North Stars, as it were, has been really important. And like I said, believe it or not, we are still a very small team, regardless of the amount of activity we do and all of the amazing stuff we're doing, which is great. Yeah, that is amazing. Well, like you said, for us here in two people to have such reach on social, like I get your ads and organic content on my Instagram all the time. That must be quite an accomplishment. Do you feel proud of that? Oh, yeah, definitely. Every day there's often like pinch me moments when we're working, especially when we've just launched a brand campaign like Heinz, for example. I think a lot of us in the business or everyone in the business was pinching ourselves going, how did this happen? Like even from when I joined in 2021, like being on B&Q and Line. Obviously, a lot of work goes into it and it's, you know, I can't take 10% of the credit for that because it's a lot of people in the business that contribute to those successes and those campaigns and those projects that happen. Even from like a paid organic side, there's been other people in the business that have been and left and moved on to other really exciting things that have contributed to the success and where we are now. But yeah, definitely. I think those pinch me moments happen a lot and when we think back to what we've done and what we've achieved even in like the nearly three years I've been in the business it's been incredible yeah. That must be super exciting feel like you're on a really positive trajectory like that. Yeah definitely yeah I think there's always challenges along the way and I'd be wrong to say that there hasn't been challenges but I think when we've managed to stay true to our values a real belief in the product and kind of what we want to achieve that's been really helpful and I'm glad it's happened the way it has and that we're only kind of going up which is amazing. Yeah that is amazing. So you said you're working on the organic social and creator strategy for Lick. Very high level like what is it that you are hoping to achieve with that strategy? I guess if I had to describe our strategy in two words it would be community focused and I know that that does sound a little bit cheesy when I say it and the phrase gets thrown around a lot in marketing. But I think everything we do across our channels is centred around where do our decorators hang out? Like, what would our decorators want to see? What would they find valuable? Would they find this meme relatable? And I think we pivot that as much as we need to, but we're always kind of putting our decorators front and centre in our minds and every piece of work that we do. As much as we plan and choose the content, it's ultimately not about what we want to see on our feeds but what our community wants to see or what we think they want to see like what will reach them what will help them what will inspire them what will make them laugh you know we generally get it right and we evolve our strategy and our content of course we get it wrong and we learn and move on and change what needs to be changed but that's the kind of ethos that i kind of built the team around built the strategy around the whole business is really still focused on this decorator-centric mission to basically help inspire and give decorators confidence. And that's kind of what we try and do day to day across the business. If you had to explain to a complete marketing novice why you're using 
organic content to embed yourself in a community. How would you explain the importance of that? Organic content is incredibly important. It's a modern storefront really for your brand, like the amount of time people are spending on social media, even compared to, you know, 10 years ago. It would have probably been unheard of to spend the amount of time that we do with individuals on social media 10 years ago. Everyone were like, no, oh, I'm never going to spend six hours on Instagram a day. And now look at all, like our screen times just keep going up and up and up. So I think it's important for businesses to have that, to have that accessibility. It's obviously for small businesses, a relatively budget way of being able to set up that global storefront to be able to reach new people. Obviously, I know you need paid and stuff to maximise your reach and things like that. But I think it's a really good starting point for especially small businesses to be able to, with very little, have a daily cadence of activity that reaches their customers, that starts building a community, that starts building awareness around their brand and really gives them the opportunity to kind of play with what content works for their community, get feedback on their product, share reviews and start building that trust in what their brand is basically. Yeah. If you had to go back to the start, say like had no social presence, you've been parachuted in to build it from scratch. Where would you start? In terms of channel, I still think TikTok has the most potential at the moment in terms of building that community quite quickly. Obviously, you need to have a certain amount of video content and content to support the platform. But I think TikTok generally has the best opportunity for small brands to grow without much paid activity. If it's more of like a budget question from a content point of view, when it comes to starting, I think and this might sound like terrible advice, just starting, just putting stuff out there and kind of seeing the reception that you get is a really good place to start. I think a lot of people, and I know this with friends who have smaller brands who don't necessarily have like a social media background, but they know that they need to be using the apps to be able to build this community, reach new people, advertise their brand and sell product or what have you. I think often get stuck at a point with like, oh, I don't know what to post and don't end up posting anything. I think just start with something look at kind of how your target customers are using the platforms either with other brands or with creators use that as a starting point to create some of your own content that's why I particularly like TikTok because the platform has less of that perfection feel about it I think it's much easier and much more accessible for you to be like I'm just going to stick this on TikTok it doesn't need to be perfect like quality yes like it needs to have value or some kind of value to it but certainly I think it's the most accessible in terms of being like oh I'll just take this video of me behind the scenes packing boxes to send out to our customers and that kind of stuff does really well on the platform so yeah I'd say the, the best place to start is just get started just start sharing stuff start learning, start talking to your customers and use that community management aspect of social media to really start having those conversations, which in turn will drive ideas for content. Yeah, I really like that message of it doesn't have to be perfect, just get going with it and then iterate as you get the data in. I think that's something maybe marketers and creatives can be guilty of sometimes, myself included, of like, you want it to be absolutely perfect from the get-go, but therefore you're never going to get to perfect. So nothing really happens. Yeah, definitely. And I think we all have this idea in our head when we say, well, imagine your business Instagram account or your business TikTok account. We kind of get this accumulation of all of these other amazing accounts that we see when we're using social media. And I think sometimes it can feel a bit like all or nothing. I'm either going to go from zero to 100 or I'm not going to go at all. Whereas that's probably the wrong way to think about it because everybody has to start somewhere. 
And I think the more you start doing it, it's almost in a sense getting bogged down with like trying to start with a strategy. Like you can have ideas, you can have a mission and stuff like that, but until you start doing it and start getting feedback in terms of like, okay, I thought this would work really well on our channels, but actually the community or the people I'm trying to target just don't resonate with it. So we'll need to change it. I think it's not until you start doing that, that you can properly start building out a long-term strategy. I think you need some learnings to almost base it off to begin with. Yeah. Otherwise it's just based on conjecture and assumption. Yeah. Or like what your competitors are doing or what other businesses are doing, which is never going to be a copy and paste. That's never going to work for you in the same way. So on that, has there been maybe a platform or a content or a campaign that you thought, oh, this is going to do so well. And then you were like surprised when actually it didn't land or maybe even vice versa as well, where you're like, oh, I don't know about this. And then it takes off. I think entertainment content's always a funny one because as well, I guess that's quite personal in terms of you come up with something or I come up with something, share it with a few people on our team or what have you and say, oh, is this funny? Like, do you find this funny? And they're like, yeah, it's funny. And then you put it out there and nobody finds it funny or like no one resonates, you don't get any comments and stuff like that. And you're like, okay, maybe it wasn't as funny as I thought it was going to be. So I think entertainment content in general, I think the creators especially that do entertainment content really well have a, a huge amount of respect for because to try and create something that genuinely entertains people I actually think is quite hard and I mean we've had some really good memes like we've had some really good entertainment content but that's a constant evolution piece for us like how do we bring that brand personality to life how do we create more entertaining content that isn't so heavy on brand that isn't so serious all the time so I definitely say that every time we post something it could go either way basically and and we constantly evolve that and try and learn from that and try and take on the feedback in terms of okay people find this funny but not this and there's quite a lot of nuances there I'd say actually a piece of content that we didn't necessarily not expect to do well but that actually surpassed what we thought it was going to do was around our round tin launches so again this goes back to community listening to community and taking on their feedback when we decided to change from our iconic launch square tins to our round tins that was all based on feedback from our community that they loved the uniqueness of the tins but actually from a practical decorating point of view it wasn't working for them So as a team, as a business, we went away and we're like, okay, it's time to do round tins. And I mean, round tins, paint tins have have been around years. It's not a unique product for Lick to do a round tin, as I'm sure everyone would agree. But actually, when we put it on social to say we're moving to round tins, the response that we got was amazing. And I think it was because of the fact that we'd actively listened to our community. We'd had that conversation with them and said to them, yeah, we hear you. We'll take your feedback on board. Thank you for sharing that with us. And then we actually made that change. I think that's what got people really buzzed. Oh, cool. So people felt like they actually were listened to and had influence on what you guys were producing. Yeah, definitely. And I think, like I say, that means a lot to people. You know, it's easy for a brand to say, oh, we listen to our customers, we take feedback on board. But actually showing that you do it, like walking the walk, talking the talk, can often be two different things so I think for us to be able to show our community like no we've genuinely listened and we've put a lot of new product development into the round tins and there was a whole branding piece around them that we had to redesign the tins and stuff like that and a lot of work from a lot of areas of the business that went into it that was all based around community feedback and wanting to make sure that we were providing our decorators with ultimately what they wanted and what was going to make life the easiest for them. 
Well, that actually leads really nicely onto my next question. I was going to ask a bit about community in general. And I guess you being able to put your money where your mouth is and show that you're listening to the community is then really important in what you've just explained of the importance of community and content creation. So if you had to distill it, what do you think is the key to Lick's community building and the success that you've had with community? So... Yeah, I guess it comes back to what I just said around listening to your community. So I think for us and for any kind of community-led brand, it's so important when you're doing that to not just talk to them, but have a two-way conversation. So like I say, listen to the questions they're asking, the feedback they're giving you. And I think daily community management is really important for that. I think always being there to support them, to give them advice and to answer questions again is really important to make sure that there's always someone from the brand there in a sense, especially on social, so that you're unblocking them from engaging with the brand, from potentially purchasing and kind of supporting those purchases as well and those questions. So we do that, you know, we've got very active comment sections. Our DMs are always open and our decorator success team, which is basically customer service helps us do that as well so we can make sure we're answering everybody's questions in a timely fashion and then we do things like weekly Q&As with Tash to be able to answer people's questions more openly as well. The other thing I'd say is around creating content with your community rather than just for them so like rather than just pushing constantly pull from them as well so things like sharing UGC creating brand content which we do of our community so you know from brand campaigns to YouTube videos also play a big part in why your channel will feel represented or why your community will feel representative on your channels. And it also encourages them to engage with each other. A big part of my job, I believe, is to facilitate those conversations that we can kind of have together and share their stories, not necessarily lead it with a heavy brand presence all the time, if that makes sense. Yeah. How can you collect it, incentivize customers to be providing that and then share it on your socials what's the process like for you well really i guess user generated content for us has always come quite naturally i think the nature of the product when we launched during covid lick launched on the first day of lockdown in the uk in 2020 so i think naturally the timing bringing a new product to a market that hadn't really had any newness for quite a while was obviously very exciting. So that incentive for people to buy was there as well as obviously like a great product that was quality, that had a really cool brand around it as well. I think that in itself helped create a lot of user-generated content in the beginning. So I'd say it's carried on from there. It comes quite naturally to us without a lot of need for incentives or encouragement I think the content that we still get today still feels like decorators are really excited to share it and I think again that's where that community management piece comes in as well is that in terms of being proactive on your community's tagged content as well as on your posts I think that also goes a really long way and in terms of encouraging more sharing as well if you're there in their posts, you know, replying to their stories, their DMs and stuff to say like, absolutely love this, love, can't wait to see more and stuff like that. I think that really goes a long way as well. Of course, as a marketing team, there's a way we incorporate more usual tactics, like share your CTAs and stories and captions and emails. For us, it's more of a way to encourage sharing rather than an activation because we really need to drive it. Yeah. So it just feels natural like that. 
Yeah, definitely. And I think the nature of our product, of the brand being very new and exciting and the product being really good as well, you know, like people don't share stuff if they get it and it's rubbish. Why would you want to? Like in, in such a positive way as well, we keep a really close eye on sentiment of what people are sharing as well. And the sentiment's always really positive, which is a testament to the product that's been created. So that's always really exciting to see. Yeah, nice. And having painted with it myself, I can also testify to that. <laughs> Amazing. That would be awkward if you said, oh, I had you. Yeah, right, wouldn't it? You also mentioned Tash, who is your director of interior design, and she features quite heavily across your socials. And and that's quite interesting. I wanted to ask you a little bit about that. Was that something that you had to convince her to do? How did that process go? And what was your thinking and behind featuring somebody like Tash? I mean, Tash is an absolute gem. Some of my favourite content to shoot and share is Tash content. Like, I can't speak highly enough about her. Our amazing Tash content really came from when I first joined the business, spending time with her. We were such a small team and we still are a small team. We talk a lot. So not only were we asking Tash our colour and decorating questions daily that we get from our community to answer everybody's questions for them. We'd always check to her and be like, oh, what colour would you recommend? Like, what colour goes with this? And or like, how would someone style this piece of furniture in their living room and things like that? But also we were doing things like colour training together. She gave the team a lot of colour training and still does, which is amazing. We do things like live webinars. So listening to her insights, her interior design expertise, her colour psychology knowledge and hearing her kind of talk to clients on colour consultations was this kind of, I guess, an aha moment where we were kind of like, Tash is too good for us not to share. Like, this is decorating advice gold and the way she delivers it is amazing and people need to hear this from Tash, not just from us answering their comments, answering their DMs. And we started to see that people were asking a lot of the same questions as well. So we were starting to notice that the same questions that kept popping up. So we thought... We'll just start making videos around these that people are already asking us about to try and help as many people as possible. It's also really nice knowing that there's real people at Lick, like portrayed through Tash, that are there to give our decorators help and advice, which was really important to us as part of our brand values as well and being that community-led brand. Like you say, luckily Tash was really up for it. She absolutely smashed the first video, so we've just kind of kept going. And yeah, it's given us a really unique way to lean into video content across our key platforms like Instagram and TikTok actually as well, which we still continue to. We switch things up, we evolve them, we try different ways of filming them and different ways of presenting the content. But ultimately, yeah, it's still some of our best performing content, which is amazing. I think, like you say, people really gel with Tash because of how great she is at what she does, how she delivers the insight and help and advice as well. And that's really special. Plus she creates the colours. So who best to tell our community about them than the person who actually creates the colours? Oh, perfect. Yeah. And that's something I haven't actually seen a lot of e-commerce brands do is to have like an in-house expert who is an actual person. Like I've noticed she's got her own Instagram account too. So it feels like you are getting genuine advice from an expert and that kind of relationship between the Lick account and Tasha's account must be quite interesting. It gives you another angle to go off. So this is a clunky segue, but from your in-house influencer to like external influencers part of your role you said is working with creators and finding those creators how is it that you find creators period do you use a tool or is it you're kind of interacting with people who are posting about you a bit of both 
Like I mentioned earlier with the whole community piece, I think a lot of our creators are already within our community. Because we're so integrated with them, we're able to approach those people, have those conversations very naturally, which has been really special to be able to do. We also get approached a lot now, which is amazing. So I like to think that, you know, even though we're bigger, we're still very approachable because we get approached about partnerships on all scales, which is amazing. A lot of the time our creators have already found the lit colour that they want to use and then get in touch to explore partnership opportunities, which is amazing. We also do outreach to people that we'd love to work with as well. We don't do as much as we used to do back when we first launched, where we were really trying to spread that brand awareness amongst the community like far and wide. But we approach people that we think are tastemakers, that we'd really love to work with, that we can maybe see have an ongoing project that we'd like to be a part of. So there's a few angles to the way that we work and find creators, basically. I was going to ask what makes a good creator. So is that part of the criteria? Maybe that you have these home renovation Instagram accounts or TikTok accounts and you see that they're working on a project and that's a good opportunity to introduce yourself. Yeah, I think that really helps in terms of approaching people. Like no one likes to really be approached these days with no background knowledge. Someone approaches you and be like, oh, have you got a decorating project? And they're like, well, no, I've got on my profile that I rent, so I'm not able to decorate, unfortunately. Nobody wants to be part of that position. So I think definitely doing your research, spending time finding people who not necessarily are the right fit for Lick, but making sure that we're the right fit for them as well is really important. But there isn't a single lick fit, as it were. It really varies. And we really consider who we work with. As, as with most teams, our budgets aren't endless. So our target isn't just creators with big interior accounts, but people who celebrate colour and style, people with interest in spaces, general tastemakers, interior designers, people leading the way through their content. Basically, it's our job to spot any opportunities to see how that person and what they do can translate into storytelling content about their home the importance of colour or like transforming their spaces. So that can be anyone from someone who's doing a whole renovation project and is very long term to someone who is switching up their style a bit and just wants to redecorate their bedroom. And that's great too. And how do you find them? Is it a case of you know where to look, manually searching the hashtags or are you using some tools to source them? Um, yeah, I would say we generally don't use tools. I mean, Emily on my team spends a lot of time searching for creators, speaking to our community, researching people. So it's kind of a variety of tactics and ways of doing it, to be honest. I think where the creator team and the social team are one team, it makes it especially easy because we're spending a lot of time on social media anyway. So it's not like we're just doing creators and actively having to set time aside to spend time on the platforms. We're kind of in it every day. We're part of the community. We're seeing what we're tagged in. We're seeing other people like recommended accounts that come up on our feed. So it's really that way of doing it. And like I say, being approached a lot about projects that we might want to be a part of, which is amazing that people come to us and want Lick to be part of their home and want us to collaborate with them, which is amazing. You mentioned earlier about the Heinz partnership. So you've just launched a really like genuinely selling tomato red paint with Heinz. Can you give us a little bit of a scoop? Like how did this partnership come about? So Heinz actually approached us, you know, they've got this long term brand campaign around the irrational love of Heinz, which is a really cool campaign. And there's many threads to that bow. They approached us about it. And obviously Heinz being Heinz, it was an opportunity we couldn't turn down. We were really passionate about the idea and could really instantly see how we could make that work from a lick point of view in terms of actually producing a genuinely 
beautiful colour. So yeah, that's been like an incredible experience to be honest and bringing a ketchup inspired paint colour to market and sharing it with our decorators will always be a career highlight for me. But it definitely wasn't on the plan at the beginning of the year when we got together in January and we had this brand year, business year planned out. Heinz was not a part of that, but very glad it did happen. We only had a few months to actually bring it together from the point of conceptualising the product, actually making the colour as well in-house to brand shoots, to channel plans. But we worked very closely with the creative teams from both brands to create a cross-brand, cross-channel plan that landed with a bang. And like I said, we were very conscious that from a lick point of view, we didn't want to create something that felt like a gimmick. We wanted it to be a genuinely beautiful, like usable colour as well. And to produce content that told an exciting colour story, that showcased the colour and that ultimately inspired people to use it. So I can't take full credit for that or like that much credit at all as that was really like a team effort between the brand, the amazing creative teams who conceived the incredible shoots and the brand creative. And then obviously the channel leads like myself, like our growth marketing, performance marketing lead. But, you know, it was the same sentiment across all of our social creative channels and across the business, really. And how did you plan your social content around the campaign? Was it like a little bit of product seeding at the start? How did you ensure on organic that after launch it continued to have that momentum? Between myself and Heinz and our brand teams, we generally set like a two-week campaign period and that was really to ensure that it had that moment of focus, that real moment of celebration with lots of different pieces of content across the channels, which was not just social, but also like website, CRM and all of that kind of good stuff. And we made sure that throughout the campaign, we had collaborative moments between Heinz and Lick. So usually that was things like collaborative posts on Instagram or pieces that bounced off each other on TikTok. So we kind of had that unity. But then we also wanted to lean into our individual content styles as well. So for us, that was leaning into ownable content like our paint videos, Tash colour expertise and showcasing Red HDK 57 through Real Homes to inspire the community as well as like we work with an amazing interior design digital illustrator that I found on TikTok to do something different for the campaign as well, to bring it to life in a different way. And similarly, Pines led into the concepts that work best for them and on their channels to bring their unique personality. So it really felt like we brought both of our strengths to the table. I think in terms of the longevity of the campaign, we always knew that this wasn't going to be something that was very full on for years to come. It was going to be a spike campaign moment that we really wanted to go hard across our channels, really land it with a bang, have that conversation, that brand awareness, that real moment of excitement across PR, website, social, everything. But now we're just seeing it trickle through through more of like our creator and our community content and just continuing to show like how you can use the colour in more of a accessible way, basically. I know you're only just short of that two-week campaign window. What have you seen the results been so far? Obviously, there's going to be like longer term stuff. Like you said, the creators is just starting to produce content. But yeah, what have you seen from an organic point of view, the results of that partnership being? I mean, the feedback and the response that we got when we first launched it was amazing. We always knew that it's not going to be for everybody. It's a conversational piece as well as it is like a beautiful paint colour. 
But I think the response that we got across both brands was amazing. Like there was very little of people saying, this just doesn't make sense. Like, and that was the most important thing that people looked at and go, oh, okay, yeah, we get it. This makes sense. Like whether you want to paint your home in tomato ketchup red or not, you still get it. And that's been, yeah, really special, I think. Seeing the buzz, not just initially, but even weeks after, I think it launched probably five weeks ago now, but even seeing the buzz around it, not just from like our decorating community, but from the Heinz community, from like the wider marketing industry on things like LinkedIn and Impress has been really amazing. So we couldn't have been happier with the results, really. There's obviously some content performed better than other pieces of content, and that's always going to be the way. But yeah, the stuff that performed well, we're really happy with like our paint pouring video, which was really cool to be able to shoot that in kind of one of our series styles but with an ownable brand color like the Heinz Red HDK 57 and then our big brand moments as well which was the more creative concepts that came to life were amazing to share as well. Great stuff well congratulations on that it seems like it went down really well and another success you've had recently that we were chatting about previously was you recently launched on TikTok and you're up to I think almost 300,000 followers Talk to me a bit about like, why did you first decide to launch on TikTok in the first place? So I think TikTok was always a great opportunity. And I think we were more and more seeing that that's where our community was, um, that they were on that platform, that they were sharing their home makeovers, sharing their DIYs in action, and that our content and our brand really owed itself to that channel. I think being fairly early on that channel and making it a priority early on, as we could clearly see it was somewhere where our community was, was really important, as well as just kind of an accumulation of learning and experimenting that's worked really well for us and finding a way that we execute our content quite individually as a brand as well. So yeah, really pleased with that. I think experimenting to find what content worked for us was particularly important. And I think the test and learn on the platform, it's a great place to do that, which I would encourage other people to do as well. On a business level, our CMO or CEO have had huge buy-in on TikTok, which has really helped us as a team feel free and trusted to explore it in different ways. So yeah, it's been amazing for us. We're the biggest UK decorating home decor brand on there at the moment. So that's really exciting and something we're incredibly proud of that it keeps growing at such a substantial rate, which is amazing. Yeah, that is amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> you said about the content doing well on TikTok. What is the type of content you've seen perform particularly well on TikTok specifically? The real brand stuff for us, our kind of real ownable brand content is what's doing particularly well, what people seem to be really resonating with. So like our paint pouring videos, our Tash content, sharing that expertise and sharing some of our community UGC as well has been really important. But I definitely think those brand pieces, those bits that we're really pushing and elevating have been really good, which is great. What would the main differences that you've seen between Instagram and TikTok, like what are some of the things that you've noticed being successful on both? They're very different in terms of the structure of content, I think. TikTok, like I say, you can be a lot more experimental. I'd say TikTok, just because of the nature of the platform, there's less of this glossy feel about it. Whereas I think Instagram's trying to move away from that a bit more and you're very much seeing that through creators and stuff like that. But there's still this element of glossiness to Instagram, whereas 
TikTok, I think, has really owned that content piece around being very raw behind the scenes, like removing that glossiness, being very real and almost being like anti-glossy in a way, which I think has been amazing and made it a lot more accessible for people as well. Like I say, it's not necessarily about bad quality content. I still think the quality of the content needs to be very good. Like it needs to be interesting. It needs to be engaging. And I think that's much more of a challenge on that platform, whereas you can kind of get away with a lot of the same things more on Instagram. Amazing. Thank you. Well, I think that's almost it then for this episode. I just had a few questions to close us out. So which e-commerce brands or DC brands, apart from Lick, of course, do you think are particularly nailing organic content strategies at the minute? Like what are some ones that you go to when you're looking for inspiration? I mean, the first ones that come to mind, and this is going to be so unoriginal, but you know, your Glossiers, your Gymsharks, your Refies, I think, especially from a content point of view, I think what they've built as new brands going into their industries that, you know, have some real heavyweight competitors and that have been around for years and years and have household names. I think they've done incredibly well. And I think they've really led the way in like innovating modern social media and creator marketing, if I'm being honest. It's not a D2C brand, but I'm going to say it because I absolutely love it. I think what they're doing, especially on Instagram, is really special. But Norman's Cafe in London is one of my favourite Instagram accounts. The way they've created something really unique that everybody can enjoy, regardless of where you are in the world, I think is really inspiring. I think their feed is a work of art. And I love it when any business or brand does that on social, to be honest. I think not only does it show the possibility that other small or independent or particularly localized businesses to be able to like thrive on social and succeed with a long-term strategy and a creative and consistency on there, but also like without just a single viral piece, I think they've really created longevity with what they're doing. And then similarly, also the Sheer Lux channels I really love as well. I think that must be some of my most consumed content actually is like the Sheer Lux channels. They've always been cool since I can remember. I remember even New Nook, Tony and Guy days, like they were always cool. You always wanted to be part of that brand or part of that media. But I think they've recently really taken it to the next level with their social content, particularly on TikTok. And again, I think it's more about that glossiness as well. They've kind of leaned into what's working and what's resonating for people and how people are consuming content now, making it a bit more like raw, behind the scenes, getting to know the team. And I think that's really worked a treat. And I think what they've done is really clever, whereas they used to be just reporting on the cultural moments and what trends happen. And I think they've done it in a way where they're actually now creating the cultural moments and creating the trends. And I think you see that sheer looks girl effect, or at least we do in the office anyway, in real life. So I think that strategy has been incredibly smart as well nice good recommendations and then what's one piece of advice so people maybe in your heads of social social managers and maybe they're not seeing the success with the channels that they would like what's one piece of advice you would give them to like go and look into or that they could start on after listening to this episode one of my top pieces and something i remind myself of a lot is don't become stagnant so What works for you now might not work in six months. So be prepared for that. Don't take it personally. I think part of what we do and something I've learned throughout my career is to kind of let go of that ego piece with social media. Like no matter how much you want an idea to work, no matter how much you're like this series of content is really smashing it. Like in six months, it might not. 
So I think it's having that awareness to constantly review, to learn, to be looking at how people are consuming content on the channels, to look at how your audience in particular and your customers are evolving and how they're using and engaging with content and evolve with the channels as well. Like, don't fight it. There's really no point, I'd say. (laughs) Evolve with it use the new features, um, kind of ride the wave of change and try and have fun doing it. Yeah, okay, wonderful. Thank you so much for that. Amy, it's genuinely been a pleasure. I think we've covered a lot of interesting topics that our listeners are going to find useful. And thank you very much for joining us. Amazing. No, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been great talking. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you so much for listening to e-commerce marketing 101, how to grow your DTC brand. If you enjoyed this episode, Don't forget to subscribe to the series for actual tips you can use in your own e-commerce marketing. This podcast series is brought to you by Dash. If you need to get your visuals in front of potential customers faster, or you're sick of spending too much time sending assets to your retail partners, then we might have just what you've been looking for. Take a leap from leading e-commerce brands like Passenger Clothing and check out Dash.app. Just go to Dash.app to take out our free trial and try it for yourself.